It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. Lacrosse fans, welcome back to Lax Class here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network, episode 117 about to come your way. Thanks for joining us wherever and whenever you may be listening to this lacrosse podcast. My name is Jay Kelly. My co-host name is Brad Chelliner. As uh, we bring you another episode here on Lax Flash Bradley, uh, how's it going? I know I normally ask you how your weekend started off. You actually started off your weekend with me as uh, we we went for a walk up a mountain. How's it going? Going great, man. Took a little took a little me day on Friday, which is always highly encouraged and something I try to do when uh, when life gets a little chaotic. I knew work was going to be busy this week. I'm like, I'm taking Friday. I'm taking a preemptive sort of rest before shit hits the fan. And, uh, yeah, we hiked Burnaby Mountain from the bottom of Barnett Highway in Hastings all the way up top to, uh, what is it called, Horizons Restaurant. Yeah, beautiful. beautiful. Beautiful views of um, of Burrard Inlet and Raccoon Mountain and Deep Cove and just, you know, being at the top there, man. I was like, I feel like I'm an explorer in the, the 1600s There's discovering British Columbia for the first time. Yeah. We're standing on where there was once a glacier 15,000 years ago looking out over just beautiful beautiful nature bc very blessed to live where we where we are man no doubt how's life nice to see nice to see you in the flesh after well the, the glutes hurt the next day big time that was <laughs> clearly i need some work yes. in the gluteus maximus area but that's that's where i was stinging the next day yeah always a good time uh we'll do it again uh, and if you, if you want to check that out uh, by the way if you want to check that trail out it's called the velodrome trail and like Brad said, if you're local, it, it starts down on Barnett Highway and works its way on top of, of Burnaby Mountain. Takes about an hour up and back, at least it does for me. Um, what else? What else do you do on the weekend, man? Anything Anything fun? Well, can, my me day, I came down off the mountain, picked up some Subway, watched uh-huh. TV, had a nap listening to Billy Joe Shaver. Woke up, played some guitar, went and had dinner with the fam. How's just, the guitar going? Solid Friday. It's coming along. Are you ready for a new We've intro got, song yet? Like, I'm, I mean, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm almost ready to busk. Okay. okay. I'm almost there. I've got about a 10 to 12 song repertoire right now. That's not bad. It's, it's coming along. Right on. Uh, well, we got a great show lined up. Uh, as per usual here, Brad, uh, we are we're still kind of waiting. Well, let's tell us who, who the guest is here today. We're looking forward to this. One half of the two original owners of what was the Eagle Pro lacrosse league way back in, in like the mid 80s which turned into the major indoor lacrosse league the mill in the late 80s and then eventually it became the national lacrosse league but there was two guys that actually owned all the original franchises and and we're going to talk to one of them today and russ klein like this guy i don't I don't know if Russ Klein and Chris Fritz get enough love and appreciation for what they birthed, which is now what we know as the National Cross League. Like these two guys kind of brainstormed up an idea of this league and brought it to fruition to what we see today. Pretty incredible stuff from these two. No, underrated for sure. And full disclosure, we taped this interview before we're talking right now. So I know kind of what we're going to get into. And you're going to hear 
I think a little bit in there why we don't hear much about Russ Klein. Like I think there's a lot of when 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 players and ex GMs and managers and stuff talk about those old days. It's, it's not with glowing reviews, you know, backdoor deals yeah. and and a hundred and hundred dollar paychecks to come to games and and I think Russ and Chris got in a lot of trouble for that and are not looked back upon in a glowing light. I think is safe to say. And we'll hear from us, and that kind of hurts and stings him a little bit. And he references it a lot throughout the interview. Yeah, that players that, just that didn't people believe don't, him. That, yeah, and that, that they, they, they did not believe him that there was no money to be had, and they thought that they were pocking it all. And he'll he'll say multiple times that that wasn't the case. I don't know too much about it, so I don't yeah. know if I what I can say for sure. But it sounds like you know Russ is 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 a little bit hurt by all of the negativity that's been surrounding those two in recent years, but without those two visionaries who were working for the Kansas city chiefs at the time, and then became concert promoters and event promoters, tractor pull and X games, and then saw a tape of the Philadelphia wings first incarnation from the seventies and thought we need to put this. The sport of the future. They call it like you with a bit of a visionary saying like that. We think this is going to be the sport of the future and kind of kick things off. And, yeah, for whatever reason, you know, losing money in, in Baltimore, New Jersey, Washington, but making money in, in cities like Buffalo and Philadelphia. And I think he, the way he kind of explains it, things evened out in the end. Like they weren't, they weren't getting rich doing it. They did hang on to the Wings, Wings franchise for quite some time after they kind of sold off the other franchises where they said that's where they made their money is when they started selling franchise fees. So real interesting conversation coming up with, with Russ Klein, and we're going to try and effort uh, Chris Fritz to, to come on the program and get his side of things as well as charter members of the National Lacrosse League's Hall of Fame going in with the Gate Twins and, and Les Bartley along with Chris Fritz. So Russ Klein coming up in quarter two. We got quick sticks, of course, in quarter three. A little light on quick sticks today, but that's okay. A quiet week in the lacrosse world. And Jimmer's back in, in a little surly this week is Jimmer, and we don't mind. Finally. Yeah, we don't mind that. Uh, so, so Jimmer's back with something else in quarter four. And, of course, here in, in quarter number one, we got our Stampede Stallion of the Week. So we're going to get to that momentarily here. My pick this week, by the way, Bradley. So Stampede Stallion coming up. But we were kind of debating on when we should hit the record button here as we're sitting Monday afternoon on the West Coast. And we were kind of debating back and forth why and, and when we should record this because we're we're waiting, awaiting essentially a pretty big vote coming down here from the league on whether there is going to be a season in a bubble or not uh, location and time to be determined here. But this thing has kind of gone back and forth from what we can understand. We hear things, Brad, we hear things. And this thing has gone back and forth uh, between the players and the owners. And from latest account, the, the players association have, kind of tabled a counter proposal to the owners, which is being voted on here today, which is Monday, the 1st of February, uh, in the next couple of hours here. So we didn't really know if we were going to hear tonight. The show comes out on Tuesday. Do we wait? Do we go? So we just decided, listen, we're going to put this out here and, and we're going to talk about the, the pros and cons of doing a bubble and what the potential could look like if it does happen. And, Depending on what this vote is, maybe we, we go midweek with a special news bulletin and, and try and get the commissioner on. Should we get some good news and talk about what's going to happen? But 
As it stands right now, we don't know, but the vote is happening today. What, what's your gut telling you, Brad? Like, is this – what do you think is going to happen here? Well, you know, eternal optimist, me. So I like to think that – Half full that, guy. Half full. I, I, half full. Always half full guy. I like to lean to the, to the positivity. So I would like to think that the governors are going to sort of agree that, you know what, we're not going to make any money this year. We might not make, we didn't make any money last year. We might not make any money for years going forward, but we have to bite the bullet and put on some sort of event that showcases this league in all its glory again and get these players playing. I think that, that it might not be enticing financially. It won't be enticing financially because it's no, going to cost a lot of money. money. They're going to lose. It's going to cost a lot of money for, for a team to send, you know, 25, 30 personnel to a bubble somewhere and pay for all their expenses and, and keep them there for two or three weeks or whatever it's going to be. That's not going to be easy for most teams in the league to swallow, but for the greater good of putting on a show and getting people talking about this league again, I think is, is what's more important and, yeah. and kind of has to, has to happen. Cause if we go two years without, I like just, just this week, seeing all the teams that were bickering back and forth on social media, <laughs> I was like, these teams are just dying to get back on the floor and play. And now everyone's sort of losing their mind and taking these cheap pot shots. And, like, no, let's, let's, let's... Never mind cheap pot shots. That was like a RKO from the top rope. Uh... From the ropes, but not, not Halifax. Halifax kind of had that death <laughs> blow, but then everybody else sort of clamoring yeah. in to get a piece of it. Like, yeah. I want to be involved in this, but right. because there, there's nothing else going on right now. So I think the governors have to realize that we can't we can't lose another year. Let's take the loss and let's put on a hell of a show this spring, this summer, hopefully with a big broadcast deal and huge social media hype, kind of like what the PLL did last summer, and then and then build off of that. Yeah, I th- I really think that has got to be the way here, Brad. And you know, it could turn out. And and you're right. Like I I don't think anyone's gonna be making any money out of this in the short term, but. I do honestly feel like if they roll this thing out on TSN or whatever the case is down in the States on a on a good platform and get this product in front of eyes that have never seen it before, the long-term gain that they can get from doing something like that is going to be substantial. So I, I, I hope, you know, and, and like we said, like player, Players Association saying that like they, their counter proposal was kind of like a drop dead, take it or leave it sort of deal. And, and we don't know how the, the owners are going to react to that. But obviously the players did not approve the, the original proposal from the board. So it's going back to a bit of a scenario like the, a collective bargaining agreement where there is some bartering going on here to try and get this these two sides together to, to make this happen. Like I think both it's... sides are, are on, they're ready to make it up, but they want to, you know, they're trying to both get as much as they can out of it. And think about if you were a player and they're probably having the same sort of moral dilemma that the governors are having. Like, yeah, it's not for a lot of these guys. It's not going to be easy to take them away from their jobs and their families and put them in a bubble somewhere for two or three weeks. Like you're using, you know, if you're a firefighter or you're a school teacher or whatever, you're using vacation time, you're leaving, you know, newborn babies and, and young kids behind at home and wives and then that burden to go play for, you know, a small percentage of your salary, but it might mean biting the bullet this year. So there is a season next year and the year after and the year after, because if they don't play, 
then then what happens? Right. And we lose another year, and they might not have roster spots next year because the, the, the league might just be in, in total dire straits by then. Yeah, and, and some teams are going to be okay. But I like I worry that some teams are not going to be okay, and especially the new franchise. Like, Philly is going to be fine, but, like, the Riptide and San Diego that was just starting to make inroads, Vancouver, Halifax will be fine. But there are, you know, Georgia, can they afford to, to go two years without, like, they were starting to, to pick things up there as well. So I just, like, I don't want to see the momentum stall, and and I think it kind of has already. And, and going another six, seven months, my goodness, it, it's a little bit frightening. But uh, so we'll just have to wait and see how this bubble thing plays out. And you're right, like, I think both sides are going to have to make some sacrifices here to make this thing work. And hopefully they do. And from what we understand, Brad, it's like four games minimum, and then some teams are going to be going home sort of thing, and, and and a bunch of teams are going to be staying. So there's some real incentive there as well, like to get it. Like if you're going to go into this thing, you're going to sell out to, to stay, right, once you're in there, and you're only going to get four, two home games, two away games to, to make the final kind of playoff rounds. And, and oh, it's going to be like, good, oh, we're gonna man. Good lacrosse. No, no complaining about, uh, you know, time zones or travel or anything like that. Guys are just there putting everything on the line. It's going to be. It's their single focus, right? Once you're in the bubble, that's it. Like you have nothing else to kind of worry about or think about, but that's eat, sleep, breathe lacrosse. And man, like sign me up for this. And for some guys, again, for this, for this league in particular, guys haven't been, haven't had to experience that because of their, their lives outside of lacrosse, but to be able to put it all in there and feel like what, a full-time lacrosse player would feel like even for a short period of time, I think is something that's going to be super special. Totally. So we'll just have to wait and see vote, uh, hopefully coming down here tonight. And, and uh, who knows, we may be back midweek with, with commissioner Nick Sakevich, uh, fingers crossed with some good news. And if not, uh, next week's going to be a pretty depressing episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we may be waiting until October, November before we see live action in the National Lacrosse League. So stay tuned for that. Let's get to our Stampede Stallion of the Week. Brad, my pick this week. Stampede Stallion of the Week presented by Stampede Tack and Western where where they love hard-working people just like lacrosse folks. And that's why they carry a wide range of CSA work bits designed for those who work hard and are tough on their gear. Boots such as the Steel Toe Work Hog or Turbo Styles from Ariat, there is no doubt these boots will keep up with you on any job. Or try the Green Patch CSA line of boots from Blundstone or the Bobcat boot from... Did I mention Stampede Tack has a lot of boots? They got Canadian-made boots as well, Boulay and Canada West. They're out there in Cloverdale, corner of Highway 10 and 180th since 1966. You don't have to go. You can still shop online because it's still shopping local. Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Thanks for the continued support here. Stampede Stallion of the Week, Brad. I'm going with one Jonathan B. Lentz. Johnny Lentz is this week's Stampede Stallion of the Week. And do you want to go first or shall I? I just wanted to ask, did you coach John Lentz? I did, actually. Did. So I did. My, I, I thought so. So the year that I saw John Lentz for the first time was uh, 2007 Junior A Adnax. That was the year. And 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 he was uh, you know pretty raw. He was a good lacrosse was. player, but he this was. raw kid from Alberta. 
and I don't know how he got the pipeline to come to Kukula. Maybe you can enlighten us there. Yeah, Kenwood, uh, he and Cam Pinckney, who you probably don't remember. He didn't go on to NLL fame like John Lintz did. But uh, those two came out from Alberta that year in 07 when I was coaching in Coquitlam. Ken Wood brought him out. And I'll tell you what, um, within two weeks, I want to say, just before the season started, after watching John Lintz, very quiet, but just kind of went about it. I slapped an A on his jersey. Nobody knew this kid. Like, he wasn't a local product. And I said, this guy is going to be one of my alternate captains just because – I want players to watch him lead by example. Like, he wasn't a rah-rah guy, didn't speak up in the room or anything like that, but just went out and worked his tail off. And I said, this like, this is a guy that you can follow and and gave him a letter early on with with the Adnax. And, and listen, like, three-time NLL Champions Cup winner, one with Calgary, one with Edmonton, one with Saskatchewan, uh, back-to-back prezies with the St. Albert Miners as well. But what are we going into here? An 11th year in the National Lacrosse League for John Lentz, who just keeps himself in phenomenal, like sculptured is John Lentz. Phenomenal shape. Edmonton, uh, Saskatchewan, Colorado, a little stint there with Vancouver, ran into some injury trouble, actually stepped on the bench as a coach for the Stealth. Retired and coached and then came back to the Colorado Mammoth. Incredible. And again, like the points are never going to pop off the page for John Lentz. Like you look back in 09, uh, had an assist, one assist there in, in 09, two, two, three, four, two, like not a lot of, not a lot of scoring going on for John Lentz, but over a hundred games, over a uh, hundred cost turnovers. So that tells you when a guy like that, that's not, you know, p- producing points for you is in your lineup in, in a mainstay in the league for that long. He's doing a lot of other things really well. Oh, and a penalty kill guy, like big minutes guy on that back end. And you mentioned, keeps himself in phenomenal shape. And you never really have to worry when John Lentz is on the floor. He's kind of a coach's dream that way. He kind yeah, of set it coach on the floor. He's gonna, yeah, he's going he's gonna to take care. And he's got that coaching brain. And, and, uh, and, and he'll carry that on and, and hand it back. A teacher by trade, uh, St. FX uh, That's right. private school. So he's he's actually pretty good on, on the handles with the basketball as well. Uh, I don't want to pump his tires too much here. But, uh, John B. Lentz, you are joining the stable this week. You are this week's Stampede Stallion. Uh, congratulations. Your pick next week, Brad. Uh, Should let's... I run through the stable? Just I think Yeah, let's do that. Let's run update th- the stable. Run the stable. Yeah. So in, in the stable so far, Steph LeBlanc, Bruce Codd, Josh Courier, Corey Vitarelli, Chris O'Doherty, Scott Campbell, Marty Dinsdale, Jordan Hall, Nick Rose, our only goaltender so far, Paul Dawson, Greg Harnett, Ian Hawksby, Craig Kahn, Greg Downing, Steve Keogh, John B. Lintz. Yeah, I think that's what is... Uh... I felt like I need to put the B in there. I feel like yeah. I, B <laughs> I don't know why I said B. Jonathan B. Lintz. I think uh, I think B is his middle name, but I'm not positive on that. I could be wrong on that. Uh, that is quite quite the list so far. Like I, that's a roster. That that's a team that that's a team full of stallions that I would would compete anywhere. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Bring it on. That's what I'm saying. All right, uh, quarter one is done here on EP 117. We're heading to the second quarter, and one of the original owners of the National Lacrosse League and one of the original members of the National Lacrosse League Hall of Fame. Russ Klein joins us next year on Lax Glass. Keep it right here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. A Vancouver Warriors game at Rogers Arena sounds like this. Jones shoots and he scores! Diving effort from Mitch 
Jones. Nothing's monotone. Lee and Beers go crashing into the crease. Nothing's boring. Now we're going to have a fight. It's the captain squaring off. And at Vancouver Warriors games. Loads up. Nothing's offside. Tries a shot and he scores. Experience it for yourself. Vancouver Warriors tickets are available now. Tickets starting from 1995. Visit VancouverWarriors.com slash tickets today. This is NLL Hall of Famer and head coach of Panther City Lacrosse Club, Tracy Kluski. You are listening to Lacrosse Classified, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified right here on Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Associated labels and packaging at AssociatedLP.com. Labels, packages they are the best in the business and always with the environment in mind they are family owned focusing on ethics and quality right here in my hometown of coquitlam british columbia sean ashworth and the gang woodsman as well associated labels and packaging find them via twitter instagram at associated l p into the second quarter we go here on episode 117 jake kelly brad sean are with you and now joined by one of the charter members of the National Lacrosse League Hall of Fame. He was a original owner of the Eagle Pro Box Lacrosse League, which then evolved into the major indoor lacrosse league. One half of the two original owners here in Russ Klein, 2006 NLL Hall of Fame inductee. Uh, Russ, good to see you. I know we're chatting on a Zoom call right now, but uh, we've never had the chance to have a conversation. I'm looking forward to this quite a lot. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for doing this. Great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, our pleasure indeed. Uh, I don't even know where to begin here, Russ. I think we got to go back to what, 1986? You and Let's a, jump in the time machine. I yeah, think. <laughs> we need yeah. we need the music. You and a, and a gentleman by the name of Chris Fritz, who we are also hoping to get on one of these days. So remind me to get his info off if you're still in touch. For but um, where did this idea originally come from between the two of you to, to spark up a, a pro lacrosse league back east? Well, uh, Jake, the um, I'd worked for the Kansas City Chiefs for 10 years before going into business for myself. And Chris and I went into business in concerts and motor events and a number of different things. And uh, and then I had RCA Group, which was we were doing I was doing things on my own. But and when I came out, I, we were looking for ideas. And, and in this particular instance, we were looking for a sport for the 21st century. And, uh, well, by the way, what about those Chiefs? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Decent couple of years. They got it done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Run it back again, says Patty Mahomes. Yes, was watching <laughs> intently there yesterday. So uh, congratulations with that. Yeah, I was telling somebody yesterday that, that with, with, uh, with so many – few people in the stands because of COVID that used to be a good crowd for us back when I was with them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. Uh, the, uh, we were looking for ideas of sports and, and all kinds of properties that we could own. And we, we, we owned a, a motor property and, and it was doing quite well. So you used to do like tractor enough. poles and monster truck stuff. Yeah, yeah yep. exactly. Yeah, exactly. We were doing huge business with that. And, um, so we, we uh, Chris actually uh, had gotten a film of the original National Lacrosse League in 1974. It was an old film, kind of grindy and whatever. Yeah, but, John uh, Grant Sr. and company. I, yeah. I've seen the video, yeah. Yeah. 
So we uh, we watched that together, and it was a truly a film. <laughs> and we watched it together, and both of us were just amazed at at the at the skill level and the the the, the contact, the speed, all the things that we felt in the 21st century. As and at that time we were, that's how far we were looking ahead. Had you or Chris ever seen lacrosse before at all? No, never. We didn't know how to spell it. We didn't know if they had two S's or two E's, uh, and we we never neither one had ever played it, uh, and uh, so so we began to investigate uh, more about it. Uh, we we put together in 1984 a uh, what what was a a tour, but and it was Team USA versus Team Canada. That was a mistake because the Canadians were really good at that game, and we were using American lacrosse players to play it and uh we started off we were going to do 15 games long story short we ended up with nine we did not do well except in just a few cities so we were testing it before we jumped out there and, and try and tried to do more with it we had 10 partners who put in some money and uh and uh we turned around and eight of them left it was like left to lose our phone number yeah and <laughs> So we, we kept thinking about it, and and uh, and eventually we knew something was there. We knew it was there. We didn't we didn't really get it done the way we wanted to get it done. But there were some cities that it really did well, and 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 so we we were going to do the low hanging fruit. We went to Philly, went to Baltimore, Washington, and New Jersey. It was the Amtrak League. You could get on the Amtrak and go to every one of them. And we knew that we needed to to make it easy for transportation transportation. Uh, was was expensive then, and we need to make it easy for the players to get to. And we had to find, get places where there were players, and most of them on the American side were some was from there. Right. So um, we started the league, and and we were able to get the buildings to partner with us, uh, give us good dates, and uh, we did we did really well, especially in Philadelphia. We did huge, and um, and so from there, then we 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 would look at the expansion but we owned all the leagues and we were the first single entity ownership of a professional league ever in the history of the united states and we were learning as we went and uh, we had no real connections in the lacrosse community Incredible. we did meet some wonderful people because lacrosse has some of the sure. some of the greatest and i hate to use the word cult because it's gotten a bad word now but there, there's a group of people who love the game and, and they were so gracious to teach he and I, then we had skills of, of some promoting and doing some of those things and yeah. business skills. That's how I got started. So one thing we're still talking about to this day, uh, Russ is, you know, we, we, we grew we, Jake and I are both from Canada and we both grew up playing this game right. that's steeped in hundreds of years of, of tradition here and you know the summer leagues that, that were competing for the man cup and there was a, a a way that that these leagues were set up and how they played for years and then eagle pro comes along and there's a shift we're going to put turf down we'll play four quarters and the rules will will shift a little bit and we're still having that disconnect to this day that the rules are, are different than what we're, we still play here in the summertime eventually 
a kid goes pro and the rule book's completely different. Um, when the league started in the mid eighties, what were the conversations like? Was it, should we take this Canadian rule book that, that is doing pretty good or was it, we need to make this our own to make it as entertaining as possible. How was that decision sort of put together? Well, we, we, it was a combination. We needed to make it simple because Americans had no idea what this was. I'm sorry. I've lost you here a little bit. No, no, you're uh, good. They, they had no idea what this was, what we were talking about. And, uh, and so we want to keep it simple because we didn't, we didn't have a, a lot of backing to help teach what the game was. They knew the outdoor game and, and the indoor game was so different. And uh, we even limited the number of Canadian players, not because they weren't the best in the world. It's just that that would tilt the play. Uh, some like, for instance, uh, you know, as we, as we expanded, you know, like Buffalo and Rochester, they had, they right there had the gateway to everybody. And so we spread it around and we, we knew that we could get great goalies in Canada. And, and that the, the, at that particular time, there were a number of Canadians going to schools in, in, in playing outdoor, but not nearly uh, the number as there is today. I mean, they, the, the two games are kind of, beginning to melt together, which is, is wonderful because the Canadian players play in the U.S. colleges and they bring those skills. Their skills were so phenomenal. And so uh, we, we wanted to play in the, in the winter so we didn't get onto the other compete for players in Canada. And, uh, and that was a time we could get dates in, in buildings in the U.S. because uh, when baseball was playing and, and, and people in the north wanted to get outside they didn't want sure. to come inside unless it was really a compelling event yeah so all of, we took a lot of things into consideration and in trying to dial it in because remember it was all our money we were going to lose <laughs> yeah. it all uh, and and and, yeah. and I, I would you know there's a lot of weird little stories about what people thought we made didn't we didn't uh we did not you, it, it was not possible with the number of people and, and everything to make a, a, a bunch of money. We, we made some money on selling franchises, but, but uh, and for a couple of years, we would make money in Philly, but we were losing money in Baltimore and Washington. Right. And so that helped play. We were, we were not full time in this and, and people sometimes are critical of us. If you'd have been full time, uh, it would have gone quicker. No, it wouldn't have. The guys who own in the National Lacrosse League now, they're not full-time. Still not. <laughs> Still not full-time. Yeah. Like, no, no I, I get it. As we speak with 2006 Hall of Fame inductee, Russ Klein, one of the original owners of the National Lacrosse League, and it, it's like I, I still go back and I, and I look at these games from the, the early 90s in Buffalo and Philadelphia and just how – electric these these crowds were and and just going nuts in these games and i think part of the reason that they went so crazy is what was they were witnessing on the floor which was really back then a lot of exceptional big strong athletic american lacrosse players really just go out there and and clobbering each other and from you know a couple of accounts talking with some some of the old school guys that was something that was kind of really encouraged by you you and Chris that 
we don't want this to be a, a pretty game. We want this to be a little bit wild and on the on the edge of chaos. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a secret, and 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 we we were never able to get this. Uh, we'll go to our graves never getting this across. We never told them how to play the game and to be rough. Never. They were rough and they knew how to play the game. And when you put them inside that rink where there's not, they couldn't spread out like they could. Uh, there was, th they loved it. And, and uh, it, it was, it was never. Uh, it, it so wasn't, they just went they, out and, and did what like, they were like, okay, like I'm going to do what I can until somebody tells me I can't. Exactly. And we had rules and, and we didn't have guys get hurt. Really? We didn't. We had very small things uh, because one of one one reason is we were so tight. It wasn't like they were running in, in, in NFL today where you take off and you're running 20 yards and you're going to get full head of steam and hit somebody. Yeah. Uh, they, they were they 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 would check each other. And but the most fun part of all of this, and, and, and again, I want to emphasize, because it doesn't matter now one way or the other, whether we did or we didn't. We did not tell them how to play the game. We did not say, hey, go in there and rough it up. Come on, let's have a fight. Fights broke out. Oh, we, yes, were, we were always concerned <laughs> about that. We, were, we, we did not, he and I, neither one of us, it's against our religion to fight. We're devout cowards. Oh. <laughs> but nobody was leaving the building while while a line brawl was going on though right Russ? like that oh, that that no. brought people to the stadium with with they the thought in it. mind that could happen tonight they loved it and 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 then when when we first started seeing this phenomenon which mostly came from Canada where the guy takes his helmet on throws it down on the ground <laughs> gets, that's the down. code that's the code hockey right players yeah and that's, yeah. that's hockey players too they, how did they get the information to each other? <laughs> One threw his helmet, the other, and all the others backed off. Yeah, and it was like a a ritual begatway ceremony going on here, uh, and so uh, it was it was truly truly that was spontaneous, and that's it's still spontaneously a part of the sport even today, and and uh, certainly I think Americans. Uh, in particular, but I know Canadians do too. They love to see a great hit. Now, I don't think I don't think no one appreciates cheating or or a blindsiding someone. Sure. Yeah. But man, they love it, and and they love. But the skill level of the guys were so good, and 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 they they weren't nearly as in shape now, um, then as they are now. Oh, no. I mean, these no. players today. Are, are, are honed athletes more so. These guys were working during the day. Some yeah. of them were driving taxi cabs and coming and playing. And and what you know what they did with their money afterwards? They went into the hotel because we supplied the hotel rooms for them and gave them $100 each. They put the money together, sent somebody out to buy the beer and fill up a whole bathtub <laughs> full of beer and drink it away. Uh, I think they they still might do that, Russ. I think they and might there goes, still. There, there goes there goes the whole paycheck. Sorry, you know, you, and that's sorry, Brad. That's the one. That's uh, well, that's the one thing we hear from a lot of uh, retired players and players from back then was yeah, talking about the hundred bucks and then blowing it all before they before they headed to the airport. You know, and and, and they laugh about it now. But like, was it a big deal at the time? How much were guys complaining about that paycheck, or were they happy to do it because they were playing pro lacrosse? When they started, they were amazed we gave them anything. We, we told them, we'll, we, we're going to get you a helmet. You bring your shoes, your stick, 
and we're going to get you a jersey and a, and a shorts. They had been paying to play club lacrosse. Yeah. This was this was like, wait a minute, we're going to have a tail a sporting tailgate party, and you're going to pay for it. And and we paid for the food and. And, I think and, I'd still be in for that, Ross. Like I'd right. sign up for that, right? I'd now. fly and, from Vancouver for that. But then there was first the Teamsters tried to move into it. Oh, and well, I remember one time in New Jersey we had to have security at a game there uh, when we were playing in New York uh, at, 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 at the at the uh, old uh, Coliseum there. Yeah. They were waiting for us, and they were gonna they were going to uh, unionize the guys, and but they they ended up getting their own players association. Yeah. But but there was always this this ha- this was a long time before that happened. We, and then we went from the hundred, we, and we didn't even we paid you by the year, so you got a hundred for the first year, and two hundred for the second year, three hundred and fifty for the third year, and if it was between six and seven or whatever it was. Hopefully we'd be broken gone by then. We ended up paying. It was three hundred and fifty. Yeah. And player didn't get it. It was how long you played. So if you were Gary Gate, you got a hundred dollars. That's what he got. That's what the Gates got when they came to play for us. Unbelievable. And 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 then if you played two years, I don't care if you were a top scorer or not. In a sense, it was, it was very socialistic in a way. But that kept the thing down from the the guys didn't they played together and. It wasn't. Hey, I'm better than all the right. rest of the team. Yeah, they went that way, and 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 it was really a, a cool study in sociology. It really was. Um, but then it got more where we want more. We know you're hiding money. I would even I I, I even tell the player association reps, I will. You tell me the accountant. You hire him. I'll pay for it. Come and look at all of our books. Every one of our books. That our tax receipts. What we send to the government we're not making money. We're losing money. And they say, you figured a way to, to steal it. You've got it hidden. Huh. And that, that that's when we started looking ways to get out. Might be it time to go. Funny. Might be time it wasn't to go. Funny. Yeah. That was, if that's what it is. Now I, I applaud the guys today. We kept the Philadelphia team for 25 years. We kept on after we sold all the others and uh, we, we kept the, the Philadelphia team. Yeah. What, what we just love that franchise. But we love the Canadians. We love going to Toronto. We loved going to and 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 Buffalo was like being in Toronto. Somebody asked me. We played Buffalo yesterday, and they said, "Didn't you have a team there?" We sell out every game. Yeah. Every game in Buffalo, and it's didn't you have? But but we were losing in four other markets. <laughs> yeah. Well, so we've we had were, uh, Tony well, Rash and, and Tommy Marichek and, and Dallas Elliott, some of the the old wing greats here. On the program, as we speak with Russ Klein here, the charter member of the NLL Hall of Fame 2006, uh, going in with the Gate brothers and, of course, Les Bartley as well. Are yeah. you still – you still like? do you still keep tabs on the NLL, Russ? Do you still check in on, on the sport of lacrosse from time to time just to kind of see what's happening? You know, I check in, and it wasn't like what it was. Uh, the the uh, You know, since, since I left the league – and 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 we we've uh, I helped I helped start the X Games with ESPN. Oh wow! I found the X Games and we the, the X Games is this weekend. You guys catch it. We're going to do it in Aspen. Yeah. The Winter X Games. Um, and and we've done a lot of other things since then. And um, but I will catch a game and and my heart just flutters. I, I just I just love it and I love I love the skill level and 
all the things they're doing and uh and and it it's uh it's still a great sport i i don't relate to the players as much now I knew for so long i mean we knew these guys pretty intimately yeah. we were in their and but most of the guys who play either play for us or coach for us or general managers are still the ones for all the teams in the league. Sure, there. Yeah, your Derek Keenan's and Paul. Yeah, Dez all the players are, are GMs and coaches. Bobby now, Hanley sure. just got a job. Yeah, that's good hey, stuff. Look, looking back, Russ, what are you most proud of? Like you can look at Philly, you can look at Buffalo, and there's some long-standing, uh, very successful franchises there. But if you were to take a step back, what are you what are you most happy with about your time? Well, I, I can tell you the most. The thing I'm most proud of is to get to from really beginning from coming from being on the outside to get to be a part of, of what was hundreds of years of, of this sport, the Gataway. And I never forget uh, one of the six, I was invited one time to a six nations. Uh, uh, and, and, and by the way, I love the Canadians and Toronto and all those teams that, that, that uh, we, we I love the Canadian players. And I sat with the chief in a, and it was almost like a peace pipe thing. And they were telling me the stories of this uh, to get to be a part when you're just some uh, guy from Florida, you grew up, you didn't even, you know, stick to us with something else and a lacrosse stick. Uh, and, and to get to be a part with some great men, these men that were part of our league, uh, they were great men. Uh, they loved their sport. They, they, and I gotten part of that in in getting to be a part of the NFL for ten years, uh, and but these guys and 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 it was a love hate relationship. They wanted to love me, but they kind of had to hate me because it's like you've got to be making money some way, and I deserve <laughs> for uh, it's not like raising your children in a way. That's the way my 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 kids are, but but I can tell you that th these were these just to be put into the position to know them. Uh, I got, I ended up in two hall of fames because of lacrosse and I never played it. And, uh, and, and, and an amazing gift back to me and yeah. to Chris and Chris would be a great interview. Yeah, for I can't, I'm looking forward to having <laughs> that conversation as well. Uh, Russ, I, we always ask our, our hall of famers here on, on lax class before we let them go. And that is, if you could put one person that is not currently in the National Lacrosse League Hall of Fame into the NLL Hall of Fame, and I believe you're going to get a vote uh, this year as well, being a member, it can be a player, it can be a builder, it can be a referee. Is there one guy that, that comes to the top of your mind that you think belongs in that is not right now? Oh, man. That's a killer. That's a killer. Uh <laughs> I, I think, I think of some guys that that I'm most like, of the sweet Lou Delgatti or or something. Oh, Lou, Lou was he was just he was lovable. He was just a big teddy bear, and he would bite <laughs> off and get inside there. Uh, guys like him, and there's so many. And and I, 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 I would hate to name somebody, and then say, I wonder why he didn't name me. Oh, there's I, so many you're not going to hurt anybody's feelings here, Russ. Uh, but I, I can just tell you that, that, um, these guys really founded the league. We, we helped run it. We helped put it together. We financed it. 
we love the fans, the fans, the fans of this sport are just amazing. And, and we would go down after every game, the fans ought to be put in the hall of fame. There's, there are hall of fame fans in this that are as good or better than any sport. That there's Let's ever get been. chopper. in then how about we nominate chopper, chopper. for the hall of fame? Huh? Chopper. Sometimes. I mean, you know, it's just like the guy was relentless. It's like, what are you taking, man? Quit. <laughs> the back of the glass the guy getting <laughs> he's still doing it he's still doing it russ oh and then you go down after the game and he's right there hugging the guy yeah. from the other team and then it's just there's just so much there uh Fenneran, kevin Fenneran. i don't think that's kevin a name ever got... that's a name that keeps coming up is kevin Fenneran. yeah kevin Fenneran is a guy who who was a great american player that, that, that adapted to this game that could score. And, and he's a, he's still a great, uh, uh, involved as a game. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Russ, we're, we're out of time here on, on lax class, but we can't thank you enough for yours and, and congratulations on, on being an NLL hall of famer and everything. Uh, thank you for everything that, uh, you've done getting this league to, to where it is now. And uh, remind me to get Chris's number off you when we get off here. And best of luck to your Kansas City Chiefs in the big Super Bowl, man. Thanks. Hey, we'll take the luck. And, and, and it's guys like you who are keeping this sport alive. It's not going to get the headlines. It's not going to get the coverage. It's guys like you. And thank you. For, for what you're doing for lacrosse. Thanks so much, Russ. That was fantastic. That was Russ Klein, one of the original owners of the National Lacrosse League. Went into the Hall of Fame back in 2006 with the Gate Brothers, Chris Fritz and Les Bartley. Uh, what a conversation there for EP117, Brad. Uh, that was some good stuff with Russ Klein. Yeah, and classy, classy guy. It doesn't this. It doesn't happen. This league is not where it is today without without the forefathers on on Mount Rushmore there. And and Russ Klein is definitely one of those guys. So we appreciate his time today and, and his vision, knowing that that this sport could be what it is, and seeing man, the, amazing. The hey, just going, you know what, this. Let's take this to the next never level. Never seen and, it. Never played did. it. Didn't know anything about but it. Having that, having the gut, and having the feel that this is something that people need to see. That's what you and I. I've been based our whole lives on you know is <laughs> telling people about this sport having a podcast every week where all we do is talk about lacrosse we want people to see this game embrace this game feel this game and have it change their lives like they have for for all of us so no doubt hey brad stuff who was that call brought to you by that call funny you should ask jumbo that uh that call was brought to you by stampede tack and western wear you know what their take on winter is please winter's don't. coming here in vancouver we've been threatened with snow all week though it hasn't happened yet but there's no such thing as bad weather that's what they believe at stampede and tack there's just bad clothing that's why stampede and tack carries gear from outback trading company it's inspired by the harsh australian outback a little different weather than we have here in vancouver and features a traditional low rider duster waterproof full-length slicker made to withstand all climates made from treated cotton this oil skin won't quit much like a lacrosse player Check out the Bush Ranger jacket, a teammate to the traditional duster. It's sure to help you stay dry and warm all year round. Stampede Tack and Western Wear, located in Cloverdale at the corner of Highway 10 and 180th since 1966. And for you, always online at stampede.ca, where shopping online is always shopping local.
man, that took a whole bunch of pressure off me, you doing that. I think I like it. I think you're going to continue to do that. Well done, and thank you to Stampede Tech and Western Wear for their support and our sponsoring our calls to the hall here. Let's take a quick break. Let's head to the third quarter. Quick sticks are coming up next. Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is Eric Penny, goaltender for the Vancouver Warriors. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Welcome back to Lax Class. Right there, associated labels and packaging. Uh, we actually tried to get uh, the boss of ALP out on the on the hike with us uh, last week there, Brett. Unfortunately, a little knee trouble for Sean Ashworth and was unable to, to make it up the hill with us. But uh, I, I look forward to that because I know he's, he's a big hiker as well. And he's also big in the packaging and label game. And they focus on ethics. They focus on quality. And, of course, they are family-owned down there in Coquitlam for over 40 years. And again, one of the best things and and biggest things I love about Associated Labels and Packaging, the environment. Everything they do, they keep the environment in mind, and they're always on the cutting edge and the forefront of new technology on how to keep our planet green and safe. And I really, like, I'm honestly, I I actually love that about their company. So, uh Good job there to Associated Labels and Packaging. You need a label, need a package at Associated LP on social media or at AssociatedLP.com if you want to send an email, maybe got a question about a label or a package. Uh, check them out. All right. Quick Sticks and, and Manscaped uh, sponsors Quick Sticks here, Brad. And Super Bowl time this weekend. We haven't even talked about that yet. Uh, I got some information on the Super Bowl here, courtesy of Manscaped, but who you got in the big game? Chiefs? Bucks? I'm going, I'm going Brady for the – Brady and the Bucks for the, the storyline and what, what an accomplishment that would be. Man. And then how we're going to be looking back in history for the rest of our lives, talking about it and getting a chance to, to watch this guy do his thing in his, in his prime and into his forties. Like it'll be a pretty special thing. Um, and to make new England fans eat it a little bit for him to go down there and try to win one in, in, in Tampa Bay with a different town. Yeah. I think I'm going, I'm going bucks. Yeah. I, I actually, uh, I picked bucks yesterday as well. And I just, I, a one-game showdown with that guy involved in it, and I have a real hard time betting against him. Six for nine in the Super Bowl. She's going to play this 10th Super Bowl, which is just – it's its mind-boggling that uh, that he's done. It'll never be done. I, like, I'm confident saying that it'll never no, be done not, no. again. God, no. God, uh, no. And he's got his buddy there – and Rob Gronkowski, who is a big manscaped guy. And, and Gronk wants you to shave your Super Bowls here this this week before the big game so uh, they got the ceramic blade and skin safe technology there on on uh, the perfect package and, and the lawnmower and of course you got the weed whacker all the stuff and and then after you're all done you can uh, put on a little lotion and, and slap on refined after uh, brad this stuff 
We got more stuff coming, actually, and I think uh, we, we may be doing a little giveaway coming up here of some Manscaped products uh, once once they arrive uh, through the mail here. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, stay tuned for that. You will be, if you were lucky enough to win the package, you will be spoiled, and the woman in your life will be spoiled, or the man in your life will be spoiled. <laughs> yes, okay, there you go, yeah. But stay tuned for that. We're trying to kind of brainstorm a way to, to give those away, but uh, your package will not be disappointed. Well, I'm thinking this. Like, maybe you go on manscaped.com, you purchase something, you use the promo code LAXCLASS20 at checkout, so you save yourself the 20%, you get the free shipping, Take a screenshot of that. I'm just spitballing out loud here. Take a screenshot that you've gone on, you've purchased something. doesn't have to be anything big, but maybe that's the way you get entered, and maybe we supplement your purchase with uh, with one of these gifts that we're going to give away. But we want people to use the promo code, not just wait around for the free stuff. So maybe a little incentive to get on there. Promo code LOXCLASS20. Show us your proof of purchase, and then we'll enter everybody that has done that into a, into a draw and give something away. How, what do you think? I like I like where you're going with that. Okay, very, very clever, very clever, very creative. Right off the top of the dome, right there, Brad. Lax class twenty is your promo code. Free shipping, twenty percent off. Do it and uh, take a picture, save it, and we'll work that out in the coming weeks. Not a lot of quick sticks this week, Brad. That's okay, but uh, we do have some here. And uh, our buddy, we the anonymous wonder, back with another great article here, highlighting the Philadelphia Wings. Rambo and Reardon here, playing from behind, pumping out the content once again. And I can't get enough of this stuff. Yeah, give these guys a follow. And it made me, again, so hungry for for game action to see this stuff happen again. You know, and he really goes into detail about how how the Reardon-Rambo combo uh, opens up space for that Philadelphia Wings offense. Shows some of their vulnerabilities when those two guys get in too deep and can't hustle back and force reverse transition for the opposing team. Showing what also. So Corey Vitarelli brings that offense. Like that is that is three lefties that are big body, stocky men who crash and bang and create a lot of a lot of space on that left side of the floor for the for the Philadelphia wing. So if you haven't given playing from behind a follow yet, give this guy a read, give this guy a follow and pumping out some some great, great stuff. Uh, and then Corey Small joining that offense too. Look out, Hickey, Crowley, Benny Mack. Like <laughs> I know, like, think about all the names we forgot were even on teams heading into the next. Think about that offense season. right there for a second. You know? Crowley, think about, Hickey, think about... Benny Mack, Corey Small, Corey Vitarelli, Matt Rambo, Blaze Reardon. Yeah, Cal Matisse, who oh, can my... stay up and, and hang out <laughs> like he does. Crazy. Man, oh, man. Uh, what else do we got here? I didn't get a chance to do this, unfortunately. I, I kind of had to be out on the road right during this time. But I know uh, that the Grizzlies movie that was streaming on Netflix and Jessica Berman and Brody Merrill and others did a panel after uh, talking about Indigenous uh, issues and, and stuff like that. And I and I hear, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but I hear the panel was great. And if you want to go watch this, and I'm going to do it, uh, the Grizzlies panel, you can check out the NLL timeline on Twitter and they got a link there posted to the YouTube uh, kind of Zoom call there. So I highly suggest you check that out. And of course, watch Grizzlies first, though. I have it. I have it. Oh, yeah. You got to do not it. On, it's, not, it's not on Netflix in Canada, but you can get it on, on Apple TV in Canada. Purchases like $4.99 to rent. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to watch it first and then watch the panel so it all 
makes sense Good and stuff. stays fresh. Good stuff. Yeah, Danny and I actually watched it at the Vancouver. First time I've ever been to a film festival, Brad, and it was a couple of years ago. <laughs> like, I never thought I would do something like that. But uh, this movie came out, The Grizzlies, and, and it was at the film festival. So Danny and I went and watched it, and the director was there asking or answering questions after and everything. It was pretty cool. Big, I, big trip to big trip downtown yeah, for Jumbo and so Danny? So cultured, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Black black turtleneck, monocle, cigar. Oh, the festival. <laughs> what do you call, what do you call those little hats? The not the shat. Uh, they call the yes. The the <laughs> All right. Uh, February first means that we are now into Black History Month, Brad, and the NLL is going to be rolling out a bunch of content uh, to do with this and. I think uh, we should we should probably have an athlete or two on this month as well and, and talk about some black history and, and get these guys' stories out there to the public as well. So uh, keep that in, in your mind uh, during the month of February, Black History Month. And we still got to hook up with Tyson Geick here about Flash season previews. I know Teddy and, and he did San Diego. We got to we gotta get together and, and bang a couple of these out because the first one was awesome. And I think another one will be rolling out sometime this week. A um, couple more things here. Erica Woolley. Uh, you probably don't know this name, Brad, but the late, great Harry Woolley, uh, I believe in the Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Fame, and was kind of around during my days with the bellies. And, and he's, a, he's a bit of a legend. And his daughter, I don't know how I came across her on Facebook, but she has been putting out some just fabulous stuff on Facebook. I know you're not Facebook, but for people that are out there that are on Facebook, give a look up to Erica Woolley. She's kind of part of all these like, lacrosse, past and present and future groups and just uh, putting out. She, I don't know where she gets all these newspaper clippings and these crazy pictures, but like, for instance, uh, Carol Goss, uh, wife of Wayne Goss, saw some pictures on Facebook the other day that she said she had never, ever seen of Wayne before. And they were wow. looking at these things and, and just, like, blown away. So people have been, like, just, like, filling up these these groups of stuff and pictures and articles. Like, it's just crazy c- cool stuff. And I had to laugh because one of the things she, she posted, like, she likes to post a little poll question every now and then. She says, what's the – and we talk about this a lot. What's the one rule change you would – make in in the world of lacrosse if you can make one and there was like over 250 comments and i was kind of scanning through them and and i come across one mike coyle who if you remember was in our our toughest box lacrosse player of all time tournament brother of patrick coyle his suggestion brad no refs <laughs> <laughs> Who needs them? Yeah, just because no refs. Uh, can you imagine lacrosse with no referees? Holy cow, would that be hey, something? If you've, got, if you've got a Mike Coyle or a Pat Coyle on your team, you might be okay. But yeah. if you're on the opposing team, <laughs> not so much. Oh, man. The Canadian Lacrosse Hall Chaos. of Fame roundtable <laughs> went down on Sunday. You can check that out, that, that chat on their Facebook page. It's about an hour long. Russ Hurd, Dan Stroop, Josh Sanderson, Derek Keenan. Pretty good. <laughs> Pretty good list of guys right there uh, talking some lacrosse. Nine NLL titles for Derek Keenan, which I learned uh, just the other day, which is. Wow. Great. That's got to be a close to. A I think it is. Like, if I think Vel- that's the record. Veltman was eight, right? Yeah. If, I was as a say, player. If Veltman, if Veltman gets a couple as a, as a manager or a, yeah. a general manager in New York coming down the road. 
uh, look out. But yeah, that's because Jammer's that's, got two as a player, and then seven, seven as a coach. It really is. So that was a, a really great chat. We had a little uh, camera issue. Like the, some of the guys weren't using their microphones properly, so the camera wasn't switching when they were talking. So I'm on screen a lot and, and didn't really realize I was on screen a lot. So I'm looking down on my phone and stuff, like getting ready for the next question, thinking somebody else is talking. I'm not on camera, but uh, that wasn't really the case. One more here for you, and that's to let you know that the WLA Draft is coming up February 11th from the Langley Events Center, and you, myself, will be doing this one again here, Brad. Uh, we had a lot of fun doing the BC Junior A Draft. We're going to have even more doing the WLA Draft February 11th. Yeah, looking forward to that. It's going to be well, it's the same draft order as last year because no team has played. Right. I think it's a, it's a super Vancouver Island draft. There's some fantastic Victoria. Pretty top-heavy. Coming up, yeah, it is going to be top-heavy, but it's very island-heavy, I think, in the first couple rounds, too. So the good news for the junior teams and, you know, the and, and players coming up out of Vancouver Island, there's some high-end talent still coming from there, some of the best in this draft. So I'm very impressed for that. Um, and then to see how it all shakes down, you know, if anybody is going to have the option of, um, of, of protecting a player mm. or if they're going to pass that and go back into the, into the pool, like it's going to be, there's, it's the first, last year was the first year of protection and right. it sort of shook and up all, the What was draft, it? Only so. two teams did it though, right? I think Maple Ridge yeah, only and Coquitlam. Coquitlam. Coquitlam and Maple Ridge, yeah. Right. Yeah, so February 11th, uh, com at TFSE TV is where that will be streamed. And I lied. I have one more that I didn't have down on my list here, Brad, and that is the Virtual Lacrosse Summit. Uh, I've done a couple of these so far, Pete Tellis and Paul Day, and I'm doing one tonight here on Monday, so you're not going to hear this in time. But uh, Jeff McComb, new head coach of the Saskatchewan Rush, I'm doing tonight. And then tomorrow, which will be today if you're listening right now, Kyle Sorensen, uh, head coach of Team Austria, will be joining me for a virtual chat. And we'll be talking about all sorts of stuff. And these things will be posted up uh, post-haste. I know people are asking me where they can watch these things. Uh, they're not available quite yet, but they will be posted up. And once they are, I will let you know right here on Locks Class. And I think that is it for Quick Sticks. And I think that is it for Quarter 3. You good? All good. All right, quarter four. Let's go. Something else coming up next here, Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Hey, this is Kevin Crowley from the Philadelphia Wings. You're listening to Lax Clash, your go-to source for all things NLL and box cross. Quarter four, no more breaks here on episode 117. Thanks for sticking with us. Jake Elliott, Brad Challoner with you as we move our way into the fourth quarter. And in that fourth quarter, we like to do one thing, and that's something else. So it's time to try something else. Let's begin. All right now, wasn't that fun? Let's try something else. Oh, let's try something else. 
Hey, Jake and Bradley, it's Jim Els here. Time for another week of something else on the Cross Classified podcast. This week, I'm going to talk just real quick about the the new trend, the recent trend of naming your lacrosse teams with the LC. Uh, we've seen it with the Premier Lacrosse League. We've now seen it with the NLL, and we're even we're seeing it with the Twerton, the new Upstart League with the Twerton uh, uh, Blackhawks LC. I just don't get it. I I don't understand why the incredibly entertaining uh, lacrosse that we have in North America can't have its own way of advertising and naming itself without going overseas or copying someone else. I just don't get it. Uh, the, the the talent on the floor is what makes it happen. We don't need to pretend we're the English uh, soccer league. We don't need to pretend we're uh, Barcelona or something like that. We are actually our own entertaining sport that really does a great job at marketing itself uh, and walking the walk, as they say. So if it was up to me and I was the only owner of a new NLL team and someone said you got to name your team with the LC I'd take a hard pass that's just my opinion I'm opinionated my apologies have a great day great week good times ciao there he is Jim else with something else uh still looking for for a sponsorship for for something else if you're interested hit us up here on lax class lacrosse classified at gmail.com Jimmer doesn't like LC, Brad. Uh, doesn't think we need it. Thinks we're we're copying other leagues doing this. Wants lacrosse to be individualistic and and do their own marketing. I'm kind of gonna take Jim to task here a little bit and disagree with the Jimmer. Not so much for the fact that I think lacrosse having LC at the end of your team name is is the be all end all and, and a great idea. I think it it is what it is. But I will say this. Naming your team Toronto Rock or Saskatchewan Rush or whatever, like the NBA does that, the NHL does that, so are we copying them? I don't know. Are they copying the NLL? I don't know. They've been around longer than the Lacrosse League. So this is what happens in sports, trends, and and you've seen the logos right now, like the Shield is kind of all the rage with, with these different leagues and new logos and stuff. Whatever lacrosse has been doing for the last 130 years here in Canada and, and however long in the National Lacrosse League, 35 years, it hasn't gotten to where lacrosse people think it should be. So obviously what has been happening for the last 30 or 100 years or wherever you want to look at it has not really been working. So to try something new and to try a different marketing tactic, I don't think is such a bad idea. I think this sport and the and the marketing people behind it need to kind of think out of the box and try some different things. I trust that they're they have done research and are making the right decisions. And now they when I kind of think it through in my head as you're talking, you know, maybe it cuts through because it actually says lacrosse in the name, which before what what is the name, you know, not not throwing it in the bus, just picking a random example. But you know, do you know what a San Diego SEAL is if you live in San Diego? If it was the San Diego SEALs lacrosse club. Right. It's pretty damn obvious what that is. Let right? me give you an example that, here. Said, all that said, I'm I'm okay with it outside of the National Lacrosse League. Like I think to be the old, have one club that is LC, to me is kind of funky. Yeah. The PLL is fine because it was a new league and we're all six teams, are all LC. And they're not attached to a city. Every, and they're not yeah, attached and to a city. going to be LC. That's fine. I think having one team come in sounds a little sounds a little funky. Yeah. To me, as far as the National Lacrosse League goes, so I'm with Jim or that. Yeah, and and like the the new rivals Lacrosse League, not they don't have cities attached to their to their team. So I get Lacrosse Club. You let people know. I'll give you a good example. And and traveling with the Stealth, and I can't remember where we were in Buffalo or Rochester or something. I was with Kevin Alexander, 
and and somebody kind of came up to us and said like what what's uh what's stealth what's what what are you guys because he saw us all kind of wearing our tracksuits and and whatever and kevin alexander said right off the bat he goes man he goes you know why why teams don't put a lacrosse stick or a lacrosse in their name something that says lacrosse in their logo and their name I'll never understand because there was a perfect example. You're walking through a, a crowded airport and people are looking at you going, oh, there's the stealth. I wonder what they are. They don't know that we were a professional lacrosse team. So I, I think, you know, whether it's lacrosse club or having a lacrosse stick or some sort of lacrosse reference in your logo or your team name, I don't necessarily think it's all that bad of idea. And, and you know, as far as copying soccer and all the rest of it, like they, they do okay. <laughs> They're in the Premier League, right? So, again, I, I get it. For the purists, you, you probably – it's something new and it's hard, changes a little bit. But whatever has been happening in this sport for the last whatever has not really pushed this sport to the, the heights and the places that I think it deserves to go. So maybe trying something a little different out of the box is the recipe for success. Well, remember when the league – I don't know if this was intentional, but remember when, like, no team ended in S? Yeah. You know, rock, stealth, rush. swarm, attack, rush, uh, mammoth, storm, mammoth. I think the NLL is really sure unique we got more. for, for sure that. We got more. Like the unique, the NLL is unique in that regard. Like they do not have a lot of S names. Well, it's just it. you know, and, and it's tough to look back and say this now, but it's like let's just stealth stick st- or stick to something. You know, like the best logos for me, and I don't know if it's because they're the oldest ones, but like the simpler the better. Like Boston Red Sox, it's a B and some stripes on a jersey. Same with the Yankees. Same with the Dodgers. Like, you know, just Canadians, simple, clean. Airports, and I know they've got yeah. they've got a hundred years of of brand identity to build upon that. But you know what never gets old and out of style is just simplicity and and something clean and easy. I you hear know? you. I hear you, man. I hear you. So Alifax there you go. Did it. I don't think that Thunderbirds logo and name is going to get outdated. Like they picked something that has some history to it looks sort of timeless and we can never forever go forward with. Yeah. No, I agree, man. I agree. Totally agree with you. Not so much with Jimmer and uh, we'll see if Jimmer gets mad at so me. So where are we? So LC, you're for Jim's against. I'm I like 80, 20 against him. I'm not, I'm not so much like, I am not looking forward to trying to say like, here comes Panther city. Oh, here, yeah, exactly. Like that's, exactly. that's going to be difficult to, to kind of wrap my head around, but Panther I also city on the prowl across center. There you go. So I also think though, that status quo has not got the job done and it's time to try some new things. So I'm not like in love with lacrosse club or LC, but I'm also not against it because I think it's, it's time for some fresh ideas. And with all that being said, Brad, uh, I think that is it for EP 117. That was, uh, that was a big one. That was a fun one. And we'll be back again next week with 118. Uh, let us know who you want to hear from next. Who do we got left? We got uh, the Gates. We got John Tucker. We got Sal Lacasio. We got Chris Fritz. We got uh, – who am I missing? That's it. We've only got five names Left to go. Yeah, uh, and I still I there's th- there. Yeah, we could still have someone in uh, to speak on Les uh, and Terry uh, Sanderson and, and Les Bartley. Yeah, and I think we will because we did that for CH, and I think those guys deserve that recognition. We just got to pick the right guy to 
to come on and speak to them. And we'll do that. But let us know. You can find us social media. Twitter is at Lax Class. Brad is at Brad Shell. I am at PXP for Sports. The show on Instagram is at Lacrosse Classified. We do have an email account as well. Some people like to use that, lacrosseclassified at gmail.com if you want to reach us via email. A huge thank you goes out to our fabulous sponsors, of course, Stampede Tack, the Vancouver Warriors, Associated Labels and Packaging, and Manscaped. And, of course, to you, the listener, for checking out Lax Class each and every week right here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Big thank you. A lot of thank yous. Russ Klein for stopping by the program this week. And, Brad, thanks to you for uh, co-hosting once again. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. But now we're done for Brad Schellner. I've been Jake Gilliatt. And for the fastest game on two feet, for the creator, stay safe and stay healthy, everybody.